Well, it's a privilege for me to join you from our home to your home on this Easter weekend. Uh, You know, over the past few weeks, I've tried not to use the word unprecedented, but I really can't think of another word that describes what we're going through. And that right now, I'm sharing an Easter message from our living room. Now, that's unprecedented. But wherever the message of Jesus is shared, wherever the the message of the resurrection, the power of the resurrection is shared, we can all say with confidence, He is risen. He is risen indeed. Over the last couple weeks, we have been considering an Easter series we've called Immovable, Changed by the One Who Doesn't. And we have been working our way through 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul gives us the proof and the significance of the resurrection. And in that passage, Paul drives home this point. He says, just as Jesus was raised from the dead, so we will too be raised from the dead. So when we celebrate Easter, like we're doing this weekend, when we celebrate the resurrection, we're celebrating Jesus, His resurrection, and we're celebrating our resurrection as well. Now, that truth changes our future, but you know what? That truth also changes how we live in the present. Over the last few weeks, we have learned how vulnerable we really are. The stock market was high and employment, unemployment was low, but then this invisible enemy came and just like slammed on the brakes. Fear and, and death swept across our nation. We have had schools close. Kids came home from college. Businesses have shut down. Many have been furloughed, laid off of work. Many have lost their jobs. We're told to stay at home. And when we do get out, we're told to keep our distance from each other. And we have to be honest. We're not sure how this is going to end. But our sense of stability will not be shaken. It hasn't been shaken. Uncertainty produces fear, but our confidence is always in the resurrected Lord. And that's what we celebrate today. The unknown will, will stoke fears of anxiety. Living in the, in the not normal, we wonder what the new normal will be. But Easter, it changes everything. It changes our future, and it also changes our present. Here's a question I want us to consider on this Easter weekend. How do we hold on to the resurrected Lord, the immovable one, and keep our footing in a world that's so uncertain? As Christian parents, how do we teach our kids to to hold on to Jesus today and with all the things they're going to be facing in their future? How will they keep their confidence as they watch us keep our confidence? Now, to answer that question, I want to go back to a group of Christians who were a little over a month removed from the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, these a lot of these people had seen the risen Lord, and the world they lived in was very unstable and uncertain. They had famine sweeping across their nation. There, were, there, were, there was disease. There were plagues. And this group of people, in particular, lived under the threat or the reality of persecution. Their future was unknown. And even though they had seen Jesus, they still experienced doubt and concern and, and, and fear, just like we do. 
Yet this group of people did four things, four basic things that allowed them to cling to God when their footing in the world was unsteady. These four basic things. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This group devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. To the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayer. Now, there is absolutely nothing fancy at all in that verse. If you're looking for something novel, you're not going to find it there. But these practices of the early Christians, 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, they offer us this this time-tested, guaranteed way to hold on to Jesus when the journey is unstable and when the journey is unknown. This is what Christians have been doing for centuries because of the risen Lord. Now, the first thing we see in this passage is they devoted themselves to these four things. They persisted in. They were consistent in these things. This was an ongoing practice for them. It wasn't something they just did during Lent. They devoted themselves to these four things. So, here's a question. How do you hold on to Jesus when the journey is unstable and unknown? Well, first, these believers, we learn from them, you hold on to His Word. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of God stands forever. That's what Isaiah tells us. Forever, O Lord, Your Word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Psalm 119. Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but My Word will never pass away. The day Jesus rose from the dead, two men were walking to a little village about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. The village was called Emmaus. And at some point in the journey, Jesus joined them and started walking with them. God did not allow them to recognize Jesus. I love the story because as these guys were were walking, uh, Jesus came up to them and he said, "Um, what are you guys talking about? And Scripture says these two men stopped in their tracks. They were dumbfounded, and they looked at Jesus and said, Are you the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know what happened? And Jesus asked them a second time, No, tell me, what are you talking about? And they said, Jesus, this this mighty prophet in word and deed, he, he was crucified, and then he was buried, and some women we know went to the tomb today, and they found the tomb empty. He wasn't there. Jesus then took this opportunity in Luke chapter 24, verses 26 through 32. Notice what he tells uh, these men on the road to Emmaus. He says this, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then, listen to this, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he told them what had to happen to the Messiah. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted, Jesus acted as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it's close to evening. Uh, So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and he blessed it, and he broke it and he gave it to them. And then, listen to this, their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and then he vanished from their sight. Verse 32, they said to each other, 
Did not our hearts burn within us as we talked with him on the road while he opened to us the scripture? Can you imagine being with Jesus and him opening up the scripture? Can you imagine those two guys on the road to Emmaus? You know what? We don't have to imagine that. We can experience that every day of our life. You see, the Holy Spirit lives within us. And when we open up the Scriptures, He opens it up with us. And through His Spirit, Jesus teaches us, and He encourages us, and He corrects us, and He comforts us. These men on the road to Emmaus, they have nothing on us. As believers, we can say every day as we open God's Word and we stay in God's Word, did not our heart burn within us when the Holy Spirit opened the Scripture up to us? You see, when the road is unstable, when the road is uncertain, we cling to Jesus by persisting in His Word. Now, many of you have joined us on the 2020 challenge of reading through the Bible this year. If you haven't, join us. We'll send email to you. It's as easy as opening up your phone. Also, you can join Dave and me every day at 1215 as we give a kind of a quick midday hit in God's Word. And then during this time at the Bible Chapel, uh, as a family, we're memorizing Psalm 18, 1 through 3. Now, this is a passage that reminds us that in the shaken world, God is unshakable. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. He's my shield, the horn of my salvation, and my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemy. Let's memorize that verse together. In the shaken world, God is unshakable. So we learn the Bible is God's love letter to us. It's a book that understands me. And when I go to Scripture, I find exactly what I need. So turn off the news and open God's Word. You're going to meet the resurrected Lord there. And when you read God's Word, and His Holy Spirit speaks to you, you're going to say, like the men on the road to Emmaus, did not our hearts burn within us as He opened up the Scripture to us? So the question is, how do you hold on to Jesus when the journey is unstable? Well, you hold on to His Word, and the second thing is, you take care of each other. You live beyond yourself. In the early church, 40 days after the resurrection, this group of people devoted themselves to fellowship. That's the Greek word koinonia. It means um, a close, caring relationship. You see, Christians take care of each other. In Acts 4.34, uh, as a lot of things were going on in the church, here's what it says about this early group. There was not a needy person among them. Think about that. There wasn't a needy person among them. Now, the coronavirus will leave 97% of its victims still breathing. But it leaves virtually every member of society afraid and anxious and isolated and alone. And some of those people who are alone and lonely wonder if they would even be noticed if they were gone. 
Now, I don't know if you know this, but um, in 2018, the United Kingdom appointed a minister of loneliness because loneliness was sweeping the country, is sweeping the country, and there's depression and discouragement. Wednesday night at our prayer time, we prayed for people who were going through depression. We prayed for one individual, a family, whose loved one had taken his life because of depression. Minister of Loneliness, United Kingdom. You know what? We are all appointed as ministers of loneliness. You see, we take care of each other in the church. When we hold on to the resurrected Lord, we hold on to each other. When we're sick, when we're hungry, when we're lonely, when we're discouraged, that's what community, that's what fellowship is about. When we're disconnected like we are now, we can be connected through technology. And it's been cool to see Facebook groups and discussion groups and community groups meeting virtually. And our care team has organized um, ministry to different people and organized uh, prepared meals to take to people, uh, grocery shopping for individuals, running errands for the Bible Chapel family. Here's the thing. Those serving and being served are equally blessed. I have to read you uh, some stories of those who have been serving. This is Dale. Dale just lost his wife in January. So Dale's going through grief, but he's living beyond himself in community. Listen to what he says. He delivered a, a meal to an individual. He said, the gentleman that I delivered to yesterday asked me to convey his deep appreciation and thanks for the food. He was overwhelmed. He's in a wheelchair and he lives alone. And his home is less than one mile away from mine. I told him that I would be willing to help him in any way. He accepted my offer and told me that he would be in contact when the need arose. And then Dale said, how special a blessing. This is from Harry. Harry is a longtime member of our church, a leader in our church, was an elder in our church for many years. So, so Harry has served us sacrificially and now is an opportunity to serve him. Here's what Harry said to the Connection Cafe staff for thinking of us praying for us and for the food which was left by our door today. Marilyn doesn't have much of an appetite, but she cleaned her plate tonight. Harry says, made me doubly thankful. And then one more. Marlene Majeric, great godly woman at our church, has served us by leading the divorce care for many years. Marlene has gone through a lot of challenges and pain in her life, but listen to what she says. She was delivered a meal. She said, talked about smiles on faces. I was a recipient of that amazing, generous, wonderful gift from the Chapel Cafe. I was overwhelmed, to say the least, for the generosity and the delicious items in the package. Oh, my prayer is this, that God blesses back every single person involved. I had a delivery from a young lady named Caitlin, and I am texting her with a thankful heart. I waved to her and blew kisses from my porch. And then Marlene says this, a little P.S. I had eaten my last apple the other day, one of my favorite foods. I have groceries coming to me, but I hadn't eaten an apple in two days, and I was craving an apple. And to think among all those wonderful items from the chapel was a bag, in that bag was a beautiful, red, delicious apple. I felt so loved by God. 
and my chapel family. I, I love reading that story that God provided an apple for Marlene as we take care of each other. Now, here's the thing. We know these needs are not going to stop when we get back into the new normal, whatever that is. In fact, they're going to increase. And so we have to continue to prepare for the needs of the new normal. And that's going to take all of us working together, serving each other, living in community in a new way, a richer way, a deeper way. There are going to be plenty of opportunities to get involved in the lives of other people. And and wouldn't it be great if the Bible Chapel family could say like that first church did in Acts, there was not a needy person among them. You see, Christians who cling to Jesus care for each other. So here's the question. How do, you, how do you hold on to Jesus when the journey is unstable and unknown? Well, you're in His Word. You're in community. And thirdly, you focus on the work of Jesus. Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Now, there was probably a meal involved in that, but during that meal, there was communion. Jesus told us when we take communion, we're to reflect on the work that He did for us. We're to reflect on His death, we're to reflect on His burial, and we are to reflect on His powerful resurrection. When we take communion, we, we, we think of the, the whole work of Jesus. And when we do that, Jesus knows that when we do that, when we reflect on Him, we think of all that Jesus did for us, then we're going to be thankful, we're going to be humble, and we're going to be confident. Confident in what Jesus has done for us. The writer of the Hebrews in chapter 6, verse 19 says this, that, that the hope that we have in Jesus is a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Paul says it like this in, in Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not deliver his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him generously give us all things? So in Jesus, we have eternal life. That's the greatest thing. And since he's given us the greatest thing, he's going to take care of everything else along the way. You can have confidence in that. God is going to take care of you along the way. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up from us all, he will graciously give us everything we need. So how do you hold on to Jesus when the journey is unstable and unknown? Well, you stay connected into His Word. You stay connected with other believers. You keep reflecting on the work that Jesus has done, His death, His burial, His resurrection. And then, finally, you just talk to Him. You pray. These early believers, 40 days removed from the resurrection, devoted themselves to prayer. Now, their prayer was neither formulaic nor flowery. Prayer was simply talking to God. Just tell Him what's on your heart. Tell Him your concerns. Tell Him your fears. Tell Him about your anxiety. As one old writer uh, says, here's here's how he describes prayer. If you pour out all your weaknesses, needs, and troubles, there will be no lack of what to say. People will have no secrets, people who have no secrets from each other, never want for subjects or of conversation. They do not weigh their words, for there's nothing to be held back. 
Blessed are they who attain to such familiar, unreserved conversation with God. That's what, that's what prayer is, conversation with God. So we don't panic, we pray. We pour out our weaknesses, we pour out our needs, we pour out our fears, we pour out our concerns. We have this familiar, undeserved conversation with God. And He is more than capable of giving us everything we need. Now, when these early believers were in the Word, in community, remembering Jesus, and praying, notice what happened. Look at the results. Acts chapter 2. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, just think about that. Unstable and uncertain times can never take away the joy that Jesus gives us, can never take away our glad hearts, can never take away our generous hearts, can never take away our praise for God. Our joy comes from Jesus, not from circumstances. And and joy that comes from Jesus, man, that's contagious. So there was this guy named um, Malcolm Muggeridge, and he was a Marxist, and long before he focused on Christ, he, uh, he found Christ in 19, around 1960s, and he wrote some great uh, books about Jesus. But before he was writing books about Jesus, he was writing books for Stalin. During the Cold War, he went to Russia to write a story about the Communist Party and the death of religion in the world, in that atheistic empire. After completing the interviews there with the people of the Kremlin, uh, he decided to go to a Russian Orthodox service. It was on Easter, and the church was packed. And at the end of the service, the priest shouted, Christ is risen, and the people yelled back, He is risen indeed. And God worked on Muggeridge's heart. Muggeridge says he looked into the faces of the people and he instantly realized that they were right and Stalin was wrong. Here's what he said. He said it was the reality of their joy that tipped the scales of his soul toward Christ. The reality of their joy that tipped the scales of his soul toward Christ. The reality of Christian joy is compelling. So today, on this Easter weekend, what will people see when they look into our eyes? What will people see when they look into our faces? What will our children see? You see, when we live in uncertain times, when we live in unstable times, our confidence, our joy is always in Jesus, the risen Lord and Savior. We cling to Him when the path is unsteady. We cling to Him when the path is uncertain. We cling to Jesus, the resurrected Lord, and He always gives us confidence. We cling to Jesus, the resurrected Lord, and He always gives us peace. We cling to Jesus, the resurrected Lord, and we can live with compelling joy. Let that be our 2020 Easter prayer. May the, re- may the reality of our joy and confidence tip the scales for the souls around us toward Jesus. 
May those in our life see the reality of the joy that Jesus brings regardless of the circumstances. And they wonder, what is it that gives you such joy? And we can tell them. We have this relationship with Jesus. He died for our sins. He has put us in a relationship with the living God. He has made it clear that His resurrection was the first fruits, and because He rose from the dead, we will too, and we'll spend forever in heaven with Him. And in an unsteady and uncertain world, that is our confidence. Again, 2020 Easter prayer. May the reality of our joy and our confidence tip the scales For all the souls in our life, for all the people in our life, may they tip the scales toward Jesus. Let's show everyone the joy of the resurrected Lord. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he came. We thank you that he died. And we thank you, Lord, that in an unsteady and uncertain world, as we walk on this unsteady and uncertain path, we cling to Jesus, the resurrected Lord, who gives us confidence and hope and peace and joy. Lord, that is our prayer that everyone in our life would be able to look in our faces and see the joy of Jesus because of what He has done for us and what He will continue to do in our lives. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His face toward you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.